One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. Center of the Galaxy. This is the Four Center Podcast Feed, and this particular episode of the Four Center Podcast Feed is the Bad Batch Report. Ow, 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 ow. <laughs> there we go. Beautiful noises from Ken Napsok every week, mm-hmm. and uh, this week uh, I, that was a uh, Toto 360, right? Uh, sounding like he was maybe singing along uh, to Axl Rose. I thought that was pretty great. I'll take that. You were right about Toto. You, you know my almost sounds well, and uh, I will absolutely take the uh, sing along to November. 
It's very beautiful. The O-O-O is, is, <laughs> is very Axel-like. Anyway, we never know what strange cultural references may be attached to Star Wars, and this is just the first 30 seconds of the podcast, so you're in for a ride, listeners. Uh, I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and the person making the wonderful noises is Ken Napsock. Hello, friends. <laughs> so we are here to discuss uh, the Bad Batch television show. Of course, we are talking about Episode 9. It is titled Bounty Lost. It is written by Matt Machetnovitz, who is credited uh, almost every week as being uh, the story editor. So it was great to see an episode scripted uh, by Matt. And it is directed by Brad Rao and Nathaniel Villanueva. Uh, Content-wise, this is about a 24-minute episode and then four minutes of great credits uh, from every place on the earth. If you want to know who is voicing the characters, you can watch those extra four minutes. Uh, so they've talked a lot about how this is the second half of the show that's been kind of in some tweets from some of the creators. Uh, and it was great to get to that big pivotal moment of uh, Omega being captured last week and go into this week, Ken, really wondering what is the second half of the season going to feel like? What is the launch going to be? How did you feel about that question of are we launching into the second half? I yeah, I, I, I big, big question I wanted to answer. Like, let's you know, we keep using the uh, foot on the gas pedal type of thing. It, not that the show's been slow at all. I've been loving the build. I just uh, I'm ready to move on. And I, I think we got it. And, and, and again, I, I, I don't even know how to explain it well sometimes, but I love when. Sometimes there's been, to my mind, twice now this season where the show has been like, hey, that thing we were wondering about, hey, there's the answer. Let's keep going. <laughs> and and I love that. I actually really like that to me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was one of the things that I responded most to in this episode of that where there was definitely forward movement in the just mechanics of the plot and also just information, character growth, just forward movement across the board. Mm -hmm. The one thing I did I wanted to ask you before we got into our, our overall reactions there Watching this uh, episode, this the second half of the season, kicking off the second half of the season, are you feeling like this season of Bad Batch is going to tell its own complete story and then still leave room open for more seasons? Or how are you feeling about the end game of this season of Bad Batch? Is it going to be a complete story? Or is it going to have any sort of cliffhanger element in your mind? This is a great question. I I, I wonder about this even more than uh, Mando season three, right? Which is, is this a brand new Mando within the show? I, I, because I, I could see it going either way. They're doing such a good job. It's so serialized. You, we want it and we feel it's going to be season one. It's its own story. Then how do you take those characters with what they've learned forward more than even just the plot? But there's so many wonderful big questions being asked and then answered and then which causes more, right? So I, I, I sound very vague, like a politician trying to come down on both sides of an issue. But I, I think this is going to be a contained story, and then and then we we move the characters to other parts of the galaxy. Yeah, I think this is just going to be the story of Star Wars storytelling for a little while. Uh, you know, particularly with the movies and with this animation, uh, the animated shows being on streaming, right? Yeah. Of that, there's. I think there's going to be this challenge to tell a contained, satisfying story that ends not with a cliffhanger, but with a bunch of characters looking out at the horizon at yeah. the possibility of other challenges. Um, you know, the first Star Wars movie ended up doing this really, really well because of the unknown of is there going to be any more of these movies that it feels like a very complete story and you could just kind of headcanon like, yep. And then since the Death Star fell apart, that probably took care of things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Vader's still out there or whatever. You know, like you can view it as a complete story if you want to the first film. 
but it's very much setting you up uh, to go on to this wonderful mm-hmm. adventure that we're still talking about uh, over 40 years later. Um, and I think just because of the economics of streaming, we don't really know how Disney Plus is going to look at it. You know, Netflix right. is really looking at the value of a show is if it draws in new subscribers. Right. They kind of don't care if, <laughs> uh, unless it's really winning awards, they kind of don't care if a bunch of people uh, who are already subscribers really love that. They want to draw new subscribers. And we don't yet know how uh, sort of uh, how much uh, Disney Plus might be motivated by that. So mm. I'm really intrigued by all of these uh, creators trying to do a great job to tell one satisfying story and leaving open the possibility but not creating a frustrating experience for viewers where it's a huge cliffhanger and then there's no season two. You're, you're raising a, a very smart, insightful, potentially haunting business aspect to everything that's going on uh, because, you know, we saw with Clone Wars and they, you know, feel they didn't get to tell the story and so many things still left on the table and some being brought back, some in great books, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, uh, that's a great question because what if they were like, God, Mando season two just really didn't, we're good. <laughs> no more stories like and we'd all be like ah. uh, could you could you yeah i mean they yeah. they need content but it's a question of which content yeah. and i just think uh that's interesting to me too for the films i, mm-hmm. I don't have any confirmation of this this is me me uh having an opinion but with announcing things like uh a rogue squadron movie set in kind of a new timeline as they've said mm-hmm. or a new part of the timeline man does a rogue squadron movie suggest they like this could be a great movie and if you like it, then we'll make more. But it is not announcing the Rogue Squadron trilogy, right? They are not committing that much. It's just one movie that could clearly become more movies. And I feel like seasons of new shows on Disney Plus are in that same uh, place of like, yeah, this might go for seven years. This might be the new thing. Or it might just be one. Yeah. My, I mean, look, it always seems crazy now to look back. But up to like season four of Game of Thrones, they always had to wait for the renewal. And it seems that just seems bonkers, right? But yeah, it's the business of it. And and I just think we're so we're wonder. This is a wonderful time where we're spoiled with Star Wars riches. But yeah, you don't stop even for the MCU MCU stuff. You don't stop to think of well, this is still a business, and this is still shows and <laughs> subscribers. It's a reality, haunting, like I said. But I I, I trust we'll be okay. Haunting, much like this episode. Uh, thank you for taking the time to have that conversation. I think it was just really on my mind as I'm thinking about the rest of this season and that feeling that I'm getting that this is going to wrap up a story and leave them open for more stories, but it's really telling going to tell its own story, in my opinion. We'll see if I'm full of hooey. Uh, but for now, let's talk about this episode, Bounty Lost. Ken, what was your overall reaction? Did you love it, like it, struggle with it? Were you haunted? Uh, haunted indeed uh, yeah no this is great stuff they're on a great run it's been a wonderful season i keep recommending this show to star wars fans who haven't taken the the dive into this uh end of the pool yet and i will say there's i'm finding more of them than those who have watched it which might go to our first <laughs> points in the conversation <laughs> but all that aside uh i'll say this great visuals right we always say shows beautiful shows beautiful no just great visuals and the aesthetics all the way through this episode the choice of the abandoned cloning facility uh, I wrote, and I didn't know we were going to go into haunting stuff today. I wrote both familiar and haunting. Like, it was so, oh, the glory of the Camino cloning facilities in another part of the world, another part of the galaxy. Um, and it really did uh, have, a, like, a little horror vibe at times. Uh, so I really enjoyed that. We can we can talk that. But also, mm-hmm. uh, going to the big reveal, I'll say uh, first, 
the big reveal around Omega in this episode, kind of, I'd say kind of became less and less surprising as the show went on, right? Um, but I love that. And I, I think we, and this goes back a ways, and I've been a part of this, we've talked about it. It's the plague of staff factor of it all. I do think we can get so hung up on theories and predictions, which are so fun and will continue to fuel a lot of the, the excitement for shows. But I, I just sometimes love that when the answer that made sense uh, and the answer we get is is, uh, is is just, it's the one. It's like, yeah, that's it, that's it. Because the why of the reveal is always more important, as we know. And I even think the reveal is more important for the characters than it is for our podcast, dare I say. And this episode, Scratch That Itch. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I think that this was such a satisfying answer to this question that I really think they were trying to play fair on. They weren't trying to make it too mysterious or too weird of like, what mm -hmm. is Omega's superpower? Does she actually have all the powers of all yeah, <laughs> the yeah. bad badge clips? Like they weren't trying to play it up too much. It was all really coming from character and from nuance. And I think uh, this revelation that she is genetically valuable because she is a first generation unaltered clone and the last possibility of making more the uh, pure Django clones mm -hmm. is, or the last with Boba Fett, we'll get to that, of course, mm -hmm. is it, it's powerful to me because it affects her as a character. It possibly affects Boba Fett, which we'll talk about, but everything about it is just sort of uh, moving on a character level and on a, a thematic level, which we'll also get into. <laughs> I won't uh, pontificate on that now because that was one of the things that was really powerful about this episode to me is that reveal wasn't just a here's an answer to the mystery. It was the kind of the core of what the episode was about to me. Uh, I mean, yes. I mean, to to point, I was I was excited that was it. Could there have been other possibilities? But yeah, yeah, we're going to talk about that. But hey, all I love to. We got tech, Mister Wikipedia, giving us the answer. Uh, final thing for me, and uh, I'll kick it back to you, sir. Uh, the Fennec Shand aspect. Uh, Fennec Shand is great. Uh, I love what they're doing with Fennec Shand. But I, I, I tell you what, this just gets me hungry for more Fennec Shand content. I definitely can't wait, wait to spend more quality time with her. In the sense of, you know, how true is her heart? How cold is her heart? Ming-Na Wen has some great layers in what she's doing. Some somber notes are in the voice of, you know, reflections of some other experiences, reflections of lessons learned or directions maybe she felt her life had to go. There, so far, the presentation of her is wonderfully on the surface, meaning I, I want more. And is Book of Boba Fett the show that does that? I don't know. Do we need Book of Fennec Shan? Maybe. Yeah, well, I mean, I think I think Book of Boba Fett is going to be uh, definitely a, a two-hander uh, in terms of uh, being both Boba Fett and Fennec Shan's story. It, mm. it seems like um, uh, our friend uh, Ash Crossan had a great interview with Ming-Na Wen uh, mm. that, that I watched yesterday, and, and she was talking about, uh, Ming-Na Wen was mentioning, like, you know, the, the, the show is about the relationship between Boba and Fennec and I can't say anything more than that so it already seems that way I also think like it for me what I'm enjoying about this is I feel like this is we're seeing a character in the bad batch of Fennec Shand who is open to the possibility of connection and kindness maybe but mm. that's not what she's leading with at all she is yeah. being a brutal bounty hunter doing what needs to be done proving herself and that sets up really great to see this character who still has all of that uh acumen and that possibility for coldness but has now gone through a near-death experience is bonded with another person who went through a near-death experience and is maybe approaching things with more honor and connection than they used to in their youthful days that we're seeing in bad batch yeah and definitely has no problem with bib fortuna being killed 
Absolutely none. I mean, I feel like Bib has probably uh, done some real a hole things. I think he's earned it. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Bib was literally not a stand up guy when they shot him because he was sitting down. But I don't think Bib is a is a stand up guy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he would. He should have been out there helping his uh, his uh, relative Beezer, but no, no, just let Beezer yeah. rot. Anyway, uh, back to this episode. I really like this episode. I, each episode is really connected building on itself but having this great sort of a tonal variety uh, in a certain way i was really thrilled that this one just picked up directly from last episode it, it gives it this serial adventure vibe where if you set up a big challenge a uh, big conflict uh, you know a cliffhanger up to a point i really like just picking up like uh look we're, we need to find omega we're racing away we're being chased by crosshair it's one problem into the other problem absolutely love that and then like we were saying i think this whole episode uh had this sense of forward movement because it was literally the uh, cliffhanger from last week, uh, Omega trying to figure out the problem, Bad Batch trying to figure out the problem, uh, and then also these big reveals. And I, some of them I wouldn't even call reveals. I would just say concrete clarifications so we mm. absolutely understand uh, who, who are the players on the board and what do they want. Uh, so it feels like the big picture story is moving forward too. And then on top of that, this episode is just... Uh, the one where Omega escapes. They, in fact, even make it clear from the title. Yeah. <laughs> Bounty lost. So it also doesn't feel like that. Uh, this is that four-episode arc that's so great, but Omega's captured for so long, and it's four episodes. Like, no, this this show has its foot on the gas. It is, uh, it is changing the situation and moving forward. So I really love the forward movement aspect. I'm right there with you on uh, again when when she kind of uh, got out and again the episode hadn't ended I don't know she could have been recaptured but I just I had that thought too of just like yeah I'm good I'm glad we don't have uh, <laughs> a week after week of trying to break her out or anything and I didn't expect we would but uh, it goes to the, the wrecker head reveal of just finally like yeah yep 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 all right there we go that's what it is uh, I just something about it that like you said this forward momentum is is really grabbing me. Yeah, I think it's because for me, there's been a, you know, so many great shows in genre in, in streaming. And like, I really love many of the Netflix Marvel shows, uh, but those were 13 episodes and there were sections of them that would really drag. That was a thing that that I think stopped people from enjoying a lot of the great things about them. And I'm just loving that Bad Batch is got its big picture stories that it's doling out slowly, but then each episode whatever adventure has started is generally completed. You know, it's the one where they capture a rancor, the one where they get their chips out, the one where Omega gets captured, the one where Omega escapes. And like those little stories are completed within the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Right there with you. And it's, it's interesting too. It's like, We've, we've become so conditioned to these shorter seasons, right? And, and, and bad batch, we know is going for a little bit midway point. Like we thought last week. Um, it's so funny to just your, your uh, conditioning of, uh, Oh, it's episode nine. Who's going to die. And who, what are we doing in the series finale season finale next week? It's just like my muscle memory takes over and it's like, Oh, time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, the other big picture thing for me, and we can dive into some themes is I just thought that this episode had some good variety. There was a tonal variety in that this um, series has been very comedic and there's definitely some funny comedy moments, but way less comedy in this uh, episode and uh, a lot more action than in some of the episodes and just a lot of horror, a lot of dread. Um, we say every week that this show is beautiful. And I think episodes like this are really uh, celebrating like, yeah, the technical capacity mm -hmm. of the animation has advanced 
but it feels like the artistry has, you know, like mm -hmm. technical advances are great. Uh, they're tools, but, you know, tools still need to be wielded by humans. And they're using, like, Fog is this show's best friend this episode. <laughs> like, they just used the hell out of Fog mm -hmm. to get that uh, that sense of dread and that sense of the unknown and that sense of horror. So it, it is just great to see that tonal variety that the technology is allowing them to make the episodes kind of have different and rich tones. Yeah, the the fog, the fog, kind of a star of this episode, right? I mean, it's definitely present, and I had the thought of just like you know, fog clearly was in the Clone Wars at some point. You know, Dagobah looked a lot, uh, uh, foggy, uh, but it it just was used so well, and that that um, again, that aesthetic all the way through, it just it just it it, it worked for me in so many ways. Uh, and 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 we, again, yeah, you're right. So the show's been beautiful, and obviously that can go to big sweeping vistas and planets and action and close-ups and rack focuses between characters, but this had this had just as much, and it wasn't clear. You couldn't see through the fog, and I love that. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, last thing for me overall is just I like the variety and focus, too, of, like, Omega has often been a huge part of the Bad Batch, but we've always stayed a little bit more with the Bad Batch, and uh, the Bad Batch, uh, the, the older clones... Uh, we're not the focus. This was Omega's episode. And it was one of the things I was hoping for last week that if this episode was the tale of Omega, uh, you know, getting away mm -hmm. from Cad Bane, that it would at least be partially Omega herself escaping as well as the Bad Batch trying to find her. And I was delighted that most of it was Omega being resourceful, uh, getting herself out, but also needing the Bad Batch in this great Star Wars tradition of the individual is important and the group and the connection is important. I felt like it really followed through on that, but it was great to have an episode where we mostly spent time with Omega and, uh, and watched her follow the squad rules. If you get in trouble, use your comm. <laughs> yes. Yes. Good rule follower that Omega. Uh, all right, let's dive into the big themes and ideas. What did you feel like was at stake in this episode, Ken? Uh, what was at stake was, uh, uh, well, we're going to get to a big one, I, I think, of personal value, but I want to talk about uh, the, the, the Finn, the honorary Finn theme of Alone Together. You even touched upon it. It's been what's going on, the group and the individual and the power of both. And on display all through this episode was what I would call the power and often need of taking care of yourself. Fennec says it kind of has a cynical view on it uh saying the exact quote i did write down because it was pretty good they, they won't get here in time speaking of the bad batch the only person you can rely on is yourself and, and mm -hmm. she's probably proven that to herself time and time again but um if omega you know once resourceful and skilled uh self-rescuing kind of hero here in this episode but needs her friends and is longing for uh, the new friends and connections she's made and the power of that and the, and the flip side of Toto 360 doesn't have the support and connection he wants uh, lie, lying to himself about how Cad Bane treats him and I thought great comedy from that real good comedy stuff from Toto but driving that point home of, of when you're alone these things happen and how Cad Bane treats him treats Ch Toto affects the overall success of their mission and all those kind of things and, and how well you work together and how well the the individual can can stand on their own all big themes that we've been dealing with all through this sh show but it really popped for me in this one yeah and and, and big Star Wars themes as mm -hmm. well but yeah I think that connection between Omega and Toto it is so much more than just the practical plot of how does mm -hmm. Omega escape she manipulates Toto it is so much about what their relationships are uh with their respective 
parental figures, yeah. <laughs> uh, older buddies. <laughs> I don't yeah. know exactly how you would say that, but yeah, I am totally with you on that one. I think that there was a lot about, as you're saying, what is a person's value that was definitely uh, reflected in, uh, in Toto 360. Uh, we even got to see that even Omega in her need to manipulate uh, Toto 360 is kinder, right? Like she does yeah. actually fix his leg. And then when she does knock him out, says, sorry, it's only temporary to make it clear that yeah. she's valuing him more than uh, his cruel master. Yeah. But I thought so much of this idea of what is a person's value was so focused on Omega. It's what I think you and I were both thinking about when we're talking big picture about the reveal of the fact that she is a first generation clone and, and is carrying this ability to make more direct DNA uh, clones of uh, that direct Django source. Mm-hmm. Um, but everything then about it, almost every character's motivation is in how they see Omega, what makes her valuable. Uh, and we get everything from she is valuable because of her financial value. Uh, she is valuable because of her genetic makeup. And then, of course, she's valuable for her actual humanity and skills. And I loved how much the characters just kind of baldly stated that. Yeah. Uh, there's that moment where uh, Cad Bane, <laughs> uh, who is uh, really flavorful and spicy this episode, uh, yeah. he said, how's my asset doing? My name is Omega. You know, that cues you in right away that that's what we're doing here is we're asking that question of, you know, what what is her value? Um we, of course, see that Bane's only in it for the credits. That's all he cares about. Uh, you were talking about this. Fennec uh, seems like there is a possibility she could care about Omega. Mm-hmm. But we also learn that in this particular uh, adventure, she's only keeping Omega safe because she's being paid to. But you're so right. In, in Ming-Na Wen's uh, performance, mm-hmm. there is a little bit, uh, it, it's open to interpretation. But she does just directly say to Cad Bane, uh, you of all people should know it's all about the price. Again, yeah. attaching Omega's value to to being financial. And then I think one of the great things about this episode, of course, is that we learn that there is uh, some divide on Camino. that yeah. Lama Su wants Omega for her value to the cloning operation uh, and says, uh, recover our property. So there we have another noun. We've got asset, property, price. And then this great discovery that Nalase has made a genuine connection with Omega and her value is more her humanity, yeah. I think. Bad Batch, we know that that they see Omega as a person, as a as a clone, as a soldier, as a, one of their unit, as one of them. They see her of, as, in all these different ways as a person. But this episode, I think, really reinforced like what Hunter has kind of been saying of like, I can't really focus on what the Bad Batch should be, what the unit should be in terms of are we mercenaries, arms dealers, uh, soldiers. Uh, we're caregivers for Omega. <laughs> that's our mission now. In this episode, seemed to really, really highlight of that's that's Hunter's mission is to keep uh, Omega safe. Period. Mm, yeah. The, up up top, you really hit on something I love. Uh, it's it just like you you have Omega's value and different views of that value, and you really do have this. All roads lead to Omega, and it's all different paths. And and the, the Cad Bane line, which was also just a funny line in a way, but really telling, uh, really cutting, and uh, everything with, like you said with Omega and the Bad Batch. Yeah, it, it, it and it's and it's about that. And 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 oh, and, the, and I, the connection breeding care, and 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 Nala say and everything. Uh, I, I think ties in some bigger picture, especially with what's going on and always has been going on with the Empire. Uh, and I think that all factors into as well. But the, the finding your value thing really inspired me in many ways. 
Yeah, absolutely. I thought it was absolutely uh, great. Uh, what are some other uh, ideas or themes that you wanted to pluck out of this episode? Uh, well, I, I, if I'm, if I may, uh, I'll, I'll spin it off a little bit w- from finding your own value. Um, yeah, please do. Yeah. So it's pretty, pretty cut and dry in some ways that Omega is facing who she truly is. And I love when Star Wars, you can take some of these themes and, and start applying them to own, your own conversations around your own life or your, your, your own uh, path. And, and I feel all of this ties into this idea of, of Leia saying that you never be afraid of who you are. And Omega is not quite yet, there yet. Cause she's just really, truly learning it. And, and there's always kind of that life lesson of, of knowing your worth yeah, and, and accepting nothing less, right? Like mm-hmm. relationships, jobs, <laughs> uh, podcasts, whatever it is. Uh, knowing your worth is a very important part of, of, of life and, and who you are, what you're capable of, uh, and, and what's inside that, that people need or are aware of that makes you special. And that could be a very positive thing, but I love this, this episode is haunting. And this, this information, she's scared. And, and, it's, and it's never easy, I think, in life when you really find out who you are. Cause then people do just like you're describing Joseph, people have different reactions to that. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a great cook. Oh, I need you to cook for me. Oh, you think you're, you think you're so good. Uh, you think you're so smarty, uh, <laughs> all those kind of things. And there's a burden to it and people can come after you for it. And sometimes you want to run for it uh, run from it. And, and Omega is faced with this one truth and I boil it down to, you are very special. We'll dive into the canon connections and the bigger things at stake, but you are very special, right? That's a positive way. It's a greeting card way to say it. Um, but that's a lot of ramifications that she has to face or, or, or deal with. And that great shot of Omega's reflection in the uh, tube and what mm. she does about that, what she doesn't want to be. And, and knowing where you come from uh, was something that Ray dealt with. And that's why I think it all ties to that. And we're not done. It's just starting here. And that's the last five minutes, the, 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 the Michelle Ang delivery and some of those Omega lines was, was heartbreaking, but, but inspiring once you really kind of discover, here's who I am. Choice. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I love what you're saying here. And I think it, I think it connects really uh, directly to Ray's journey in Rise of Skywalker in particular, her whole journey, but it's, it's put on yeah. the table uh, yeah. in Rise of Skywalker very clearly. But it's also what Kylo's dealing with from his first scene in Force Awakens, right? Of, you know, of Laura Santeca saying, I know, know the truth of uh, who you come from. You can't deny the truth of y- your family. And he's like, you're so right. And that, there's that, that pressure of like, are you identified by these heroes uh, these royalty to Laura Santeca of uh, Luke and Leia and maybe Han. I don't know if Laura Santeca thinks Han is royalty. Um, <laughs> but Kyla seen it is the Vader and even goes back to, uh, you know, Yoda talking to Luke about his burden. Uh, I was really thinking about that when you're talking about the burden of discovering who you are because you know different people are going to have different opinions and different expectations because of who you are or who they perceive you to be uh, based on some truth. And, you know, Yoda saying, like, no, it's not bad that you know the truth, Luke. It's bad that you weren't prepared for the burden of knowing the truth of your lineage of who you are. So I love what you're saying here. And and um, I, I I really kind of uh, uh, thought of that under the the umbrella theme of the dark truth, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that this is an episode where it really did feel like. Uh, yeah, Omega's not a, a Jedi, but it had that sort of mystical feeling. It had that mythic feel because it was really kind of uh, plunging into this uh, dark, scary, almost dreamlike environment and being faced with the darkest version of the truth of you, right? Mm-hmm. Like th- this revelation could have been on a bright, sunny planet where tech had done some deeper <laughs> Wikipedia reading on her file and said, hey, I'm telling you this in a beam of light and I'm 
saying, look at who you are and where you came from, you know, but that's not the way the story is told. It's told in this, let's plunge into the depth. This is the dark truth, right? Um, I feel like it's, it's powerful that the setting reflects this, right? This is a brand new planet, uh, according to Wikipedia, uh, Bora Vio, uh, and it's this great settlement, or not settlement, outpost, uh, alternate outpost of Camino. But just the way it's designed that she's like, I kind of recognize this because it's my home. It's the same door pads. It's the same doors. But it is the dark version of it. It almost seems like the true version of it. Like when you cut back to the beautiful glowing white and Lama Su is like she's property. And once we get her, kill her. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Uh, you know, put her in the basement. And it makes uh, Bora Vio feel like uh, this journey through this uh, station, this outpost for Omega is... This is what my home has always looked like, but I didn't see it because they covered it up. I really love that. I I, I, I don't mean to even jokingly, but to, to go to Dexter Jetster and, and just like cloners and good ones too, just implies there's a lot of cloning going on and a lot of bad cloning going on. And Camito, they've perfected the art and it's beautiful hallways and it's breeding an army for the, all those things that, you know, and the, and the darkness underneath. Uh, at creating life and the questions around it and what bigger stuff that, you know, Mega's not necessarily even dealing with it, but it was so, it's our word of the day, haunting. It really was effective, especially that little look in the, in, in the reflection. Yeah, it. absolutely. Cause it really is her facing the, you know, the dark truth of her heritage. There's really connections to the Skywalker saga storytelling. Uh, if you think of, uh, the cloners is the the family unit of the Cam- uh, Owens is the family unit that she has known right yeah uh, that to see the the gross <laughs> and upsetting clones uh in, in the vat and then to see her face and then I really like that it was echoed at the end I didn't even mean that uh by echo saying hunter you have to tell her it gives it this extra weight that like echo knows this is kind of a hard thing to process right Yes, and and that there's that instinct that uh, Echo can see in Hunter's eyes to maybe be like, yeah, I, I don't need yeah. you to know that people see you as is property, yeah. <laughs> and you're wanted because you're a pure version of a dead bounty hunter. Um, <laughs> and yeah, like you said, I really wanted to highlight her line of I don't want to end up an experiment in a tube. Mm-hmm. All of it was in what is happening thematically what is actually happening plot wise and just the actual visual this was the whole thing was so reminiscent of empire strikes back to me um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. obviously just the the establishing shot of the outpost uh is very very bespin right um oh the mist in the fog is very very dagobah and it there's that this one shot in this episode uh there's many shots where scary people come out of the mist but um, there's a shot of Omega. It's very short, backing up as Bane comes out of the shadows, and it is extremely similar to the shot in the uh, Dagobah Tree Cave of Luke backing up as Vader comes out of the mist. Right. It, it's, it really connected those, not in any sort of canon way, but in a, an emotional way. Of that's what's happening to Omega. She is seeing this horrible truth and has to process what it means to her. Mm, great, great pool. The, the the motifs, right? Good old Star Wars motifs and aesthetics and, and, and what it makes you feel. These sense memories we have as fans for previous things we've watched. 
I think that's great. Can, yeah. can, I, can I jump in on something? That, talk about Please. the echo line. And you and I were talking up, up top. There's obviously going to be a lot of videos and debate and discourse, uh, both positive and negative and all the way in between about the, the connection to Boba Fett. We'll dive into it as well. Uh, we're not here to comment on anyone's uh, thoughts on it. E- either way, we're dealing with what we saw in this episode. And one of the reasons the stuff you were talking, you and I were talking about up top of, of how the, it matters to the characters uh, more than us Echo's line really, really was effective for me in the sense of, uh, of, of it's not just information you've got, Hunter. It's, it's her. It's, it's her life. It's her, her, her knowledge of what's going on. She needs this, even though it's tough, the burden, all those things. It was, re- it was a great line, great delivery. Love that little moment. Absolutely. And I think it pays off because she has before been, uh, restless to get off Kamina to go explore the world, right, in, mm-hmm. in the galaxy. And then in the pilot, obviously, there's some not great stuff happening on Kamino. But this is the first time where she now never wants to go home, never wants to go back to the place that she grew up and is the only place that she has ever known, right? Uh, there are ramifications for her knowing the full truth. And the fact that this episode ends on a promise that they never have to go back to Kamino Mm-hmm. is really re- showing her sort of acceptance and, and uh, beginning to process the fact that uh, maybe I come from a dark place. What does that mean for me? Well, I don't want to be that dark person. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Final thing for me, you you touched on this, but I thought it just, it, it married well with everything else. There's this kind of uh, sort of deeper mythic uh, dark truth, find out who you really are. And I thought the, the Toto 360 stuff, uh, played as comedy and it played as a bounty hunter commentary, but it really dovetailed with Toto also uh, can see the dark truth Mm -hmm. (laughs) that Bane does not give a bleep about him, but also just won't accept it. You know, the line, well, Mr. Bane is very busy. (laughs) Talk about, (laughs) he's just sitting in the cockpit. He's very busy. Uh, You know, it's a, it's a good laugh line, uh, but it, it is a good contrast uh, to Omega to who is looking at the hard truth and processing the hard truth and Toto who will not look at the truth. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. No, it was, uh, yeah. Like I said, well played Seth Green. Great, great job with Toto. But yeah, that line particularly it's, there's, there was a lot of, um, when, when Omega helps him, it's sweet for Omega, but it, it was really, I was sad for Toto. It's not a good life. You got, there's so many <laughs> droids in the galaxy living good lives, man. You deserve better Toto. Yeah, yeah. I mean, go look. I, go join the early rebellion, Toto. You know who knows? Toto's on Andor too. We'll figure it out. Yeah, he's around a tree. They're all around trees. It it's was great. He was pulling that first rope on the uh, biker scout. You just didn't see him <laughs> with two repaired legs. Uh, we talked a little bit about how these uh, themes that are unique to this episode really reflect the larger storytelling morality perspective of Star Wars. But uh, other big ideas there for you? Uh, in terms of, uh, yeah, with the bigger gal- uh, galaxy, uh, the one last one I mentioned was the connection, breeding care, which is the Nala Say stuff. And I, I say this, I think the episode ends, you get a pretty good idea of Nala Say. I, I'm, and there's like 2% of my brain that's like, jury's still out. I, right now, the, I love uh, everything going on in Camino because I, I, I uh, you know, it, I, fear, I fear for them. As as a, as a as a as a people as a, as a species, uh, but I also am upset with them a little bit right now. But not now, let's say. So, anyways, all that to say, connection breeding care, um, and you can't deny that uh, she she she's grown to care about 
Omega and how that is viewed as such a negative, right? Such a your personal interest in the young clone have threatened our operation enough. And that ties directly into some of the bigger lessons in Star Wars. But the the, the Empire, we know, doesn't value these connections. We, we harp on that stuff all the time when talking about the Empire or the original trilogy era of Star Wars. It, it, the Empire doesn't want you to connect with others because that uh, you form dangerous feelings such as not limited to love, sympathy, empathy, compassion, care, <laughs> concern, community, and purpose. Yeah. No well, one and that. also that – I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I said no. No one in power wants that in Star Wars. Right. No, no, exactly. Because, uh, yeah, if they if the people band together too much, they're a threat. <laughs> we can't have connection. That's a threat. They're more of our power, our money, our unlimited money and power. Yeah, I, I think definitely the alone versus together was was really crisp, uh, really great in this episode. If I pulled out that Fennec Shan line as well, that the only person you can rely on is yourself, and everybody else is having these. Uh, sort of dysfunctional uh, relationships and conflict within themselves and uh, beyond bickering, mm-hmm. <laughs> the Bad Batch is united and it's, you know, it's nice and literal. It is literally uh, Omega and the Bad Batch on either end of the galaxy trying to literally make connection with one mm-hmm. another. And it is that that saves them. You know, it's not like record going like, here's, here's where uh, Duros's weak spot is on the neck. Shoot for that. You know, it's the, the, the victory is connection. Yeah. The victory's connection. That's a that is a great T-shirt. There you go. <laughs> the other big thing for me that popped is, uh, in terms of like large Star Wars theme, is just this idea of generational change, mm. um, and it is everywhere in the Bad Batch television show. I think because it has been uh, doing this great job of showing us these uh, this generational shift in the entire galaxy as the Empire takes over. Um, but there's what's going on in this episode is Lama Sue is basically. Uh, desperate to say like no nothing can change no new technologies <laughs> uh, you can't have uh, you know stormtroopers you gotta have clone troopers and in order to make that not happen I need to get this kid back uh, but Omega then herself becomes this this symbol of the next generation hope for clones uh, maybe hope for the bad batch but just definitely a, a symbol of youth coming in and that, the fact that that was really really uh, um echoed with the relationship between Fennec and Cad, right? That this was called out between Cad Bane of like, I am the old experienced guy. You, I've heard your name ringing out kid, but you can't step to me. And then Fennec for the first time ever, uh, like Cad's got his butt kicked a little bit by Jedi, Mm -hmm. but this was like Fennec walking over old man Cad, right? Like, it was a great bounty hunter fight and they both got their licks in, but it could have been framed as two great bounty hunters go toe to toe and they both get in hits. Yeah. But there was something about it that just really made me feel like this is that first moment where maybe Cad Bane has this moment of like, I can't be the best bounty hunter forever. This mm-hmm. younger person really put me through my paces. Uh, yeah, it's uh, the fastball just zipped by him and he didn't catch up like he used to. A hundred <laughs> to, to Ken Random Sports reference, right? Yeah, no, and and uh, I really felt that. I felt that when when the when the the first uh, kind of explosion goes off and he thumps up against the wall and and doesn't pop right up. Uh, yes, he also took a you know basic explosion to the face. But I love that because uh, when when the when it starts. He, there's, I, I would say, like you said, he's heard the name. There's maybe some respect on the concept of the name, but there's no respect really present from Cad Bane. And I just, he's kind of like, just give me the money, get, get, get out of here. 
<laughs> it's me. It's me. I'm Cad Bane. I got the hat. Come on. Give me the money. <laughs> exactly. And then it doesn't go so well. I mean, uh, ultimately, like, the fight is relatively even. But for how much they've built up Cad Bane over the years is unstoppable. He's taken it to Obi-Wan and, you know, and yeah. Quinlan Voss and uh, all number of, of badasses and hold, held his own. And then this really had a, like, uh, I'm not swinging quite as fast and my back hurts. <laughs> yeah. Vibe yeah. to the fight. While still, while still keeping him a badass. Yeah, I, I heard a rumor James Mangold is directing Old Man Cad, and it's <laughs> going to be great. If, if Cad lives that long, which we'll talk about <laughs> in a bit. Any other big thoughts on the themes or stakes of the episode? Uh, the big final one, just this, going back to the idea of uh, we talked about the value and, and what what uh, specifically Omega learned about herself. And I just it's such a it's such a Star Wars thing, right, about knowing your origins. And it's it's it continues to be an important thread in Star Wars. But I, I think I and I, I'm pretty sure you lead the way there as well, Joseph, of just what you do and where you go with that knowledge of your, of your origins is really a series of big choices. And it's always more important than what it actually is. Uh, and it could be either way. You could find out who you are and that confirms thoughts and you go that direction or a lot of the bigger stuff with Ray, Kylo, all those, all those things we keep going. Luke, <laughs> twin sons and learning stuff. No, my father was a navigator and a spice writer. Learning, learning your origins is important to Star Wars, but that's not the end of the journey. In fact, it's only the beginning and, and it. Uh, and Omega and the Bad Batch continue to face those big discoveries and choices every week, which continues to be part of the more inspirational and, and, and intriguing parts of the show. No, I totally agree. And that's even there with Anakin. And I think we sometimes forget that because we're so used to thinking of Anakin and Vader as sort of like the the center of the Skywalker saga up to a point. Um, but, you know, he starts out as a slave, you know, yeah. uh, a little nobody kid on a backwater planet. And, and you know, he still uh, becomes something else. He becomes a, a couple of something else's. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah I, I really like the the story in Star Wars of face your past. Uh, a lot of times there's going to be darkness in it. Uh, but then once you get to know your past, once you get to understand your past, then you choose your future. And that was really uh, facing the dark past, I think, was what this episode was about. And really looking forward to we're not going back. We're not going to Camino. Oh, where are we going next? Who are we going to be? The belonging you seek. Oh, wait, I've heard that before. <laughs> exactly. Is not on Camino. Uh, all right, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to dive into moments of action, comedy, and canon, and talk all the Boba Fetts, all the bounty hunters that could be. We'll be right back. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J E N I L A N D A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at Jennifer Landa and on TikTok as Jennifer Landa1138. And we are back to finish our discussion of Bad Batch Episode 9, Bounty Lost. Ken, there's a lot of action in this episode. Did you have a favorite action moment or two? I uh, I did. I'm gonna start. Uh, I'm gonna start small. Uh, it's also comedy, but uh, I'm gonna start small because I, I I think I, I I think I've developed a little. I don't know. Care, concern. I just I want I want better for Toto. I don't think I don't know if he 100 percent deserves it. He's made some choices himself in life, but I kind of want I want better for Toto. I'm gonna give him credit. I love when he sweeped in and grabbed the score, uh, and then I also love when he lost it. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the leg sweep she does on the explosive everything great lot of great leg sweeps kicks and all the stuff from Fennec but I just love that Toto had this I got it boss I did well oh and the, when the money just falls out again probably more comedy whimsy but it was an action moment for me an action moment for Toto 
No, I, I put it in my list of action moments, too, because not only it, it's that moment where Cad thinks like, yeah, I got this. And like, thanks. Like, no, no, I'm, I'm aware of the distract me and throw a bomb at me trick. I've seen that one before. Yes. <laughs> Even though I'm young and does the great, cool kick. Uh, and then it and that would be cool. That would make my list by itself. But then the fact that it blows uh, Toto out the window in the utter pain of the credits falling. These are those are imaginary on mark credits from an imaginary galaxy can and i still had an instinct of like grab a bucket you can still catch them <laughs> don't let that money fall yeah I, I i'm not a crypto coin person but for fun i invested in a little bit and that was me holding the credits and watching <laughs> as it just fell out and i didn't understand what i was holding yeah i felt like toto too so watching them fall into an <laughs> unknown environment below but probably not a friendly one yeah that's great uh so that was on my list uh first thing for me on my list was just the sound of Cad Bane's double LL30 blasters that I went to Google it because I was like, I, I think I think Cad Bane's blasters are unique. I'm not sure. I'll Google it. And when I just put in Cad Bane, uh, Google offered up, you know, Cad Bane's ship, Cad Bane's hat, and then Cad Bane's blasters sound. <laughs> so I know I'm not alone. That's a thing that people Google. It's just that high pitched, abrasive, you know, just really dynamic sound is like just the sound of the blasters was was thrilling me. Alone together indeed on that search. I love that. Yeah, uh, yeah. and right there with you. I mean, you know, we we're this is the thing, the little things we love about Star Wars, the sounds, the, the Ben Bird of it all. And it and it still shows up and that's the standard he set in seventy seven and and when something just kind of scratches that itch, it, it absolutely you're gonna do a Google search. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So a sound that makes you Google search is a good sound. What other moments of that action did you enjoy? I I, I particularly enjoyed uh Omega and she's kind of get out trying to escape but just sizing up kind of what she could do and then jumping on Toto and, and kind of riding him down as a little uh, power lift a little uh, repulsor lift I, I thought that was a great little smart bit of action fun cute in its own way but also so effective yeah and then uh, pretty brutal like I think a lot of this episode was meant to make you feel some uh, some sympathy for poor, poor Toto the way he ended up on his head in a way that can't be good for his neck no <laughs> No, no. And it, yeah, I got little neck problems every now and then. I was like, yeah, I was doing the stretch. Oh, yeah, I did some cracks. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, a couple other for me. Um, I really like the Bad Batch's urgency to find Omega. And I loved that the uh, their ship, the Havoc Marauder, did what would appear to be an unnecessary twirl as they turned around and jumped into hyperspace uh, once they had her location. It was just one of those moments where, for me, like... Um, we know the the famous uh, Anakin spinning is a good trick, and then uh, even his grandson doing that in the Last Jedi. Like, look, spins are fun; they're great. But it really connected to me of like, hey, remember when we get caught up in the details and the explanation and the physics? Like, a lot of things in Star Wars happen because they're cool and fun, mm. particularly visually. You know, yeah. this is always going to be a galaxy where Tie Fighters scream in space in the vacuum of space. And I love it when I see one of those details of like. Uh, I'm sure there might be a reason in some, you know, ship manual that like, oh, yeah, three spins is really good if you're heading this direction in hyperspace. But just watching it is just like they're so anxious to find uh, Omega. They had to do three spins before jumping into hyperspace. It's <laughs> so cool. Look, man, if I'm flying around the galaxy in a cool ship and a lot of cool ships in this episode and season, uh, I have you know, I've been spinning left and right. Yeah, you got to spin to find your friends, right? Yeah, yeah. 
Absolutely. Uh, one of the ones I loved, I, I wrote it down as dueling headbutts. Um, <laughs> I wrote the exchange of headbutts, but I okay. think dueling headbutts is better. <laughs> it's it's a great it's a great B side there uh, of, of a banjo album. Uh, yeah, uh, Cadbane's get he gets the classic one in for. I, I enjoy a good classic headbutt, but Fennec comes in with just a sweet. We talk about generational change in headbutts, uh, Joseph. Yeah, I mean, like uh, she did she invent headbutt uppercut? Yeah, that's what yeah. she did. It's a it's a head cut, an upper head cut. Yeah, yeah. It was great. An up butt. She did an up, an up clearly. Butt. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I take that back. Yeah. Uh anyway, ab I'm such a great call that like and I think that that had that feel too to Cad Bane of like, look, look, kid, you haven't been around. You don't know the tricks. You think we're fighting with uh with arms and legs, headbutt, and it works. And then she's like, you know, I know that one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I snake up and then Upper head butt. Upper head butt. Upper head, upper head butt. <laughs> <laughs> upper butt. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop now. Yeah, okay. uh, excellent. Uh yeah, I think uh the exchange of headbutts, the dueling headbutts, beautiful, beautiful. One of the other ones that I enjoyed the most because it was kind of a moment of action amidst the horror is um when Omega drops the vat of clone on Fennec Shand in the gross wet uh what looked like to me uh clone of a Kaminoan flopped yeah. out yeah. um that was that was like gross and effective and if that had been any uh species from star wars if that had been you know a, a proto snoke that would have been great probably distracting yeah. um but what i really liked about it is you know omega's uh, being resourceful fennec shan being grossed out but the the story that that i've heard from behind the scenes is that a part of the invention of the Kaminoans is uh, let's let's bring that real classic 50s mm. you know what the little gray aliens allegedly look like but let's make them taller but but we're definitely building on that real 50s is this what aliens actually look like vibe mm-hmm. uh and this that image of that naked <laughs> gross cami Noen, uh flopping on the floor really took me to like 90s x-file alien autopsy and it just kind of connected the in-world action to kind of the behind-the-scenes genesis of the Kaminoans. For me. I, I loved it. He is, Smokey Man is in the corner with a theory. Uh, <laughs> I, I wrote down Fennec's grunts of disgust being covered in the clone uh, because it was it was very live action. Like, I almost... I also watched this at 5 in the morning today, so, I, you know, it could have been a little blurry-eyed. It almost like I felt like Ming-Na Wen was on screen, not, not an animated version of it. It was a really good little disgusting, uh, no disrespect to that clone. Just, uh, it, it, I felt it. I felt it. Yeah, it was very visceral of a uh, wet, a disturbing clone uh, falls on you. Is that what they do? You watch with the, uh, the, the subtitles, right? Uh, is that what it said? Wet, disturbing clone falls on me? No, I don't. I, I think uh, I think all the noises uh, were uh, from Fennec, uh, not from like a uh, splooshing of clone or anything like that. <laughs> Uh, I got one more. How about you? You got any more? Uh, yeah, just one little one for me. A L- lot of action all the way through. And sometimes you just want to focus on something that grabs your attention. I like flamethrowing Bane. And I, I'm sure he's probably used that before, right? Uh, it, nothing pops to mind. Uh, again, watching this early in the morning for me, uh, I just kind of went, hey, <laughs> flames. And it just, I really enjoy a good flamethrower in your wrist. Oh, that's great. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed that, too, because it, it did seem like fun and tactical, like he finally got enough distance between himself mm-hmm. and uh, and Fennec and it was not taking any chances. So out come the flames. And then uh, that was followed up then by that great moment of uh, Cad Bane getting kicked off the platform and getting to see his uh, yes. jet boots. 
uh, in his real, real uh, upset groans and snarls. Yes. <laughs> As he has to get back up there. And the way he flopped over the edge, right? Like in the Clone Wars, there's moments where his jet boots are like, ha ha, you weren't ready for that. I'm so slick with my jet boots. And this is like, my jet boots barely saved me and I could barely climb over this ledge. Yeah, he does. <laughs> Cad Bane's getting too old for this bleep. <laughs> He does this really tired, exhausted Fosbury flop, like he's like he's doing the high jump or whatever, and and, and just like, man, it, it, I felt it. And that's why you so you tied to this generational uh, change you talked about. That's the big theme, but I felt that in this moment. Yeah, yeah, that, that it was a great moment of action because it was cool, and it's also like, oh, geez, yeah. another one of these. God, uh, yeah, on my back. Great stuff. Uh, any more action or should we move on to comedy? Uh, no, comedy indeed. Yeah. So I, I do you agree with me that there weren't as many moments of comedy? Uh, yeah, no, there there wasn't as there was some great moments, some great again, great character moments. Even uh, the big reveal, uh, you know, you, you said confirmation. I think that's a better word. But the reveal of the Boba Fett stuff is just record being like, ah, what does that mean? Like, it's funny because <laughs> it's, it's record. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, and I'm there for it. I'm I'm more more record than I than I care to even admit or realize. Uh, no, uh, but I had. Um, I, I'll start here. I want to. We talked about this a lot last week. I am having a weird relationship with the overt Western villain Cad Bane of it all, which is not new at all. We know it's in his design. We've we we have an upcoming episode on on outfits at a, a part two. We talk about Cad Bane and the Western uh, feel of it all. I love it. I really love it. I loved it in this episode, but I was like. They're, they're really, they're going to, he might as well have spurs and, you know, ask for a, a whiskey at the bar. Like it's, they're landed on and I, I love it. I just have a, it, it stands out to me every time more than it ever did. I was waiting for him to call Omega Pilgrim. Yeah. Like, uh, like John Wayne. Yeah. I, I think yeah. the thing that is for me, like it was almost, a, it, it was effective, but it was almost a comedy moment was that sting when he came down the ladder. Right. Yes, yes. It's exactly. Is that what you're thinking about? Because it was a real Western sting. Exactly the moment, which is great. It's a great piece of music. Uh, no one get me wrong. I really enjoy it because I enjoy Cad Bane, but we know where it's coming from. But it's uh, it's uh, it's rather overt. Yeah, I mean, it almost feels like the musical version of Leia's advice that you mentioned of, uh, you know, never be afraid of who you are, of just like Cad Bane in the music. is like, this is who I am. I'm, I'm Western. I'm you know space what? Western. You know what? You really, I was already sold, but you double sold me. It, it's Cad Bane. Like Cad Bane plays it himself. Like one of those people, the boom box or a little speaker on your bike with the riding through and there's, you get to hear their music. Uh, that's Cad Bane. Yeah. He's got a lot of weapons and a lot of tech there. And maybe he did just to be extra ominous, play his theme as he came down the ladder. Uh, um, for me, first moment of, of comedy is, uh, I liked that Toto 360, uh, pointing at Omega with his removed leg and using it as a cane and like obviously upset that his leg was detached, but <laughs> trying to make the most of it by just using it for things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There, there was a great, like a uh, couple of you meant the pointing that really matched up uh, with Seth Green's voice and performance. And just, you felt in his voice that he was doing the, and another thing. And, and it really came across in the, in the performance. Yeah. That one was great. Um, and then, uh, also in that general uh, section with Toto, um, when Omega is manipulating him, uh, there's a ton of great delivery, as there always is from Omega. But the uh, when she's just about sold Toto on letting her out, and she says, I'm only a kid. <laughs> yeah. it, it made me laugh out loud. And then it actually did really work with 
all of these different uh, nouns that have been used to define her, right? And yeah, and her, I think, thinking of herself and her own growth of that she is one of them. She is one of the bad batch. She is a resourceful. She's a good shot. She is a clone. She is a soldier. She is one of them. So mm-hmm. thinking in her mind, like, that's what I am. And that's why I'm getting out of here. But I'm going to get you to believe I'm just a kid. I'm just a girl. Uh, yes. Um, I still think No Doubt's a new band, by the way. That's how I <laughs> um, love that. And in that moment, what my final big comedy moment, um, the payoff of Omega powering down Toto was wonderful because you immediately get a sense of what she might do. And then I've got these pangs of sympathy for Toto. And then she does, and she's sincere, and she's good at it. And he's like, whoa, my knee feels... It was it was great comedy of just like it went exactly where you thought it was going to go, but the path there was the surprise, uh, and and that's where a lot of laughter, literal laughter, comes from. You I was talking about wonderful about the conflict of comedy, and uh, and, and a good laugh comes from uh, oh there oh yeah I didn't expect it to go that way, and that, I was laughing over my coffee. Yeah, no, it's very good, and Toto uh, got the uh, you know what he should have been expecting. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> Slow down. Yeah, it, 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 it's comedy that is coming out of, uh, you know, a dark place. And I think, you know, a lot of comedy is it, it, the power of it is acknowledging something not great and then getting some joy out of it and some perspective out of it by turning it into a laugh. Yeah. And the fact that Toto won't acknowledge the fact that like, yeah, this guy that you work for that you think you're kind of partners with doesn't care about you. You're so desperate <laughs> for somebody to literally care for you that you're letting yourself be absolutely hoodwinked, you know, and it becomes a moment of comedy. Yeah. And a moment of sadness for Toto. And a moment of sadness. Uh, This one uh, was, I I didn't laugh out loud, but I just, I had to have it down here as a moment of kind of comedy and whimsy is uh, Cad Bane yelling at Toto. It it had obviously the plot Mm. function of figuring out what's going on. But uh, in general, I thought Cad Bane was written just line by line really well. It wasn't his lines were a little bit more specific. They weren't generic badass. Uh, and yeah. I liked this line in particular. We said, Toto, get your chassis up here. I can't see anything in this chop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was flavorful and specific and sounded like a bounty hunter who has their own vocabulary. And it also, for me, it, it, that line is it was what really uh, set off this uh, idea of this is Cad Bane edging past his prime because he kind of sounds like grumpy old man, right? <laughs> Oh yeah, it kind of sounds like my get my boot off, treat my bunions. Right, <laughs> right. Uh, there, there's some good surprise uh, uh, laughter from me. Um, I love that you pointed it out because you know that he has the the asset line early on. Where he says is is flavorable, flavorful in its way, and 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 wonderfully disrespectful. But uh, later on, what he, he does, he have a line. To, uh, I didn't write it down, but by hook or by crook or whatever, like he's, he's emerging from the mist. By yeah. hook or by crook. Yeah. Now, yeah. now he's like, now he's telling nursery rhymes here. It, it, it was a, I, I, this is one of the reasons I think Cadbate is popular. It, it, he's, he's got some spice. He's got some flavor to him. Uh, got some sass, and and, uh, and it tells a story that we haven't heard yet of who he is and what he is, and we know him. And again, uh, he he might be heading to the retirement home soon. But uh, anyways, I I. Uh, I loved all that. I, anyways, I love that you point that out. Yeah, I would absolutely, even if it was just a fun audio thing, just, you know, Cad Bane yells at Toto in the ship about like their basic, like, is the soup ready? You know, kind of conversations. Mm-hmm. I would love that. 
such a great contrast from that great, you know, bad guy drawl that has that space edge with uh, the things that he's saying, I can't see anything in this chop. Yeah. Um, last line of comedy for me uh, is I like when Wrecker jumps the gun when they're trying to locate her and Wrecker says, we're coming for you. Yeah. <laughs> and Echo has to be like, uh, we don't know where she is yet. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't exactly say it that way. It's not that pointed of a joke, but it, it, it was, it was sweet and funny of like Wrecker. The whole point is you can't come for her yet. Cause you don't know where she is. Yeah. Oh, Wrecker. Oh, Wrecker. All right, let's get into it. Let's get into moments of canon, lore connections to other stories. Uh, let's start with, I, I think, the big headline of uh, Boba Fett, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Boba Fett is the uh, only other unaltered clone uh, previously referred to as Alpha, which uh, gives uh, more context to Omega being named Omega. Um, what was your reaction? Did you not want that direct connection between uh boba fett in omega does it make you see omega differently talk me through your feelings i i I, this has been talked about for a while off air kind of discord uh emails with friends it's just it's just there's a lot of wonderful theories and and we always talk the speculate responsibly thing around here it it has great meaning to us but we have a lot of fun and you know uh, that's palpatine's hairdo oh she took her hair down uh, literally halfway through the first episode that doesn't want a lot of things in it there um i i really uh, could I hear arguments against this one? Yeah, absolutely. I, 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 I just, for me, it just was like, well, yeah, we're on Camino. Django is the prime source of the material, and he's not around. This just kind of always tracked, unless they had some real something they were going to pull out of the out of a closet and be, look, look at this. You didn't know you know about this character. It just made sense, and so I wasn't necessarily surprised. It's just I love what it means, you know. Yeah, I, I was not uh, surprised um, by it. I, 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 like I said, I think less reveal and more confirmation since it seemed like lots of people have been discussing this. Um, Cad Bane's appearance last week made people think of the Cad Bane versus Boba Fett unmade uh, Clone Wars arc. Right. So Boba Fett was already on her brain as he might be anyway because <laughs> Camino and he's got a show coming out and Fennec Shan. There's many, many roads of thought lead to Boba Fett. Um, from the discussion that you've seen, because I haven't really seen it, is the is the concern or the dislike that this is sort of making Omega not her own new character, but now she's Boba Fett's quote unquote sister? To be honest, I've just skipped through some of the tw- you know uh, I haven't taken the deep dive into it, but I think yeah, around that way or just uh, the uh, the connection again of a, another character connected and so you know we we know some people just don't like Boba Fett as much and even right. though uh, you know I I've always had a you know lukewarm opinion of Boba Fett over the years I just I I do love what they continue to do with Boba Fett and 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 take it uh, make it more than just a, a character in a cool costume and and, and they add those wrinkles and layers so uh, as far as Omega and it, you know I, I I don't think for me this is this is me personally definitely not not speaking for Joseph here too it's like. Omega was always from something else, right? We always get the sense she was a clone. <laughs> she was there. So this to me doesn't undercut her. It only kind of confirms how great and special and powerful she might be, all those kind of things. But again, I'm I'm open to any discussions around it. I, I don't die in a lot of Boba Fett Hills. Um I just again, it just seemed like, well, yeah, we're we're here in Camino. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, ab- absolutely. I think there is, for me, a couple of different things. One is always just want to throw out there that we are sharing our opinions and we celebrate the fact that lots of people have, have different emotional reactions to mm-hmm. storytelling and Star Wars storytelling for different reasons. So totally uh, appreciate that. I also see um, the hunger for give me a Star Wars story that is really standing on its own, isn't connecting back to any other big name character. Mm-hmm. For myself, my opinion on that is that was never going to be this show. You know, yeah, maybe the Bad Batch uh, just like ran away from Camino and went and had adventures. But it's to me, the value and the, the intrigue of the show always was these are interesting characters to explore more. But the time of the galaxy that they're living in is what's really interesting uh, to explore. So I never had an expectation that Bad Batch wouldn't uh, dive into other characters and other big moments in Star Wars. It, for me, it was the total opposite of I was hoping that they would shed light on other known places and characters' experiences in this moment of the Empire taking over. Um, and then for me, with with Boba Fett, you know, um, I totally understand I- 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 any concerns, and I and I respect them. But I think, for my opinion, so far this show, you know, has had so much respect for the character of Omega. I think in that, mm-hmm. like early on, we had episodes where we made it really clear that not only does she want to be off Camino exploring the galaxy. She doesn't want to just uh, be taken care of. She wants to be trained. She wants to be a part of the squad. She wants to learn and be a part of something, but stand on her own two feet mm-hmm. and not just be kept in the ship and safe. She wants to go out and explore and grow. And the show has respected that. And Bad Batch has respected that, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and they don't try to hold her back. They just take her out and they train her. Right. This episode was not about her being rescued. This was episode was... Uh, mostly about the Bad Batch can't do anything until uh, Omega is resourceful and figures it out. So this, there's nothing in the way this show has been told that would make me feel like the storytelling is going to turn into this is now the Boba Fett show and right. she's defined by Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. It's one of the relationships potentially for her to explore and choose and want to know. But I feel like Omega is still kind of the main character of this show and I don't think this relationship is going to change that is, is my prediction and hope. Yeah. I I'm with you on that there. Uh, again, we, we always get w- what's out there, but, uh, uh, it, it, I keep saying it all tracks, but just right from the beginning, that's part of the, some of these questions they ask and then they answer them right away, but including you touched on it there. If, uh, uh, I'd like to be part of the squad. There was no four episodes of debate. She becomes part of the squad and, she move and the story keeps moving. The story keeps going on. So this now it affects Omega, and and right now does she even know what that is? You know, we'll learn that next. You know, if you're like you're you're taken from Django, she might know what that means. But you're you you might have a brother out there. Does she even know what that means? Are they even doing the? Are they putting that together? Uh, you know, I don't know. Does she know who Alpha is? You know, oh yeah, you're talking about Alfie, my brother. I don't know. We don't know, and we're gonna see where it goes. And I I just think they they have established her so well as a character that I think it's just now uh, the next chapter of this character. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it seems like the general clones who fought the war, right, really uh, were probably raised, trained to see each other as brothers, but those bonds really grew, right? We yeah. see that in, in great episodes like the the Pong Krell arc of they they choose to be brothers, right? 
yeah. um, even though they have this genetic connection as well uh, and are probably trained that way, it's still also presented as a real active choice uh, based on their life experiences. So I think that, you know, Omega encountering Boba Fett and seeing who he is and seeing if she wants to call him brother, right. you know, right. is, is an active choice that she gets to make. She gets to make that definition and I kind of trust that that's where the storytelling will go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do. Yeah. Same, same, same. And, and yeah, I'm not brushing off any, uh, problems. And again, I, I just was singing, swing, swinging through Twitter. Right. Right. We, uh, right when we started press record and, you know, obviously people can have hot, hot, hot takes and, and very valuable opinions on this and how they react to it. So we'll see going forward. I just, I don't think the show, I get why the show in some corners has this, like, what is the surprise guest star that you already know every week? You know, that this happened a few times. I get it. Uh, I just, I just, I'm, I'm really trusting uh, where they're taking us on this ride. Yeah. Yeah. Do you hope, Ken, that we will see Boba Fett? Where are you sitting with that? Or are you feeling like, great, that's acknowledged, that's connected, but now let's move on? I, I, I can't move away what you were discussing last week. And, and yeah, you see, you see some of those conversations bubbling up of you could tie it all together if you wanted to. Um, I still, so yeah, Boba Fett showing up. I I I I would be more excited than definitely I would have thought of episode one, and and that goes again. Same with the Boba. I am I'm one of those like oh, Boba Fett's gonna be Mando. Uh, yeah, okay, I I guess. And now I'm like, okay, this is you you got me, you got me. I mean, hell, Kevin Scott has got me caring about Jackson. I keep saying, and and I'm still kind <laughs> of upset at that. So, uh, I I would not have wanted Boba Fett in the Clone Wars cartoon, and then that's some of my favorite stuff. So I am very open to it now. Yeah. I so want Boba Fett uh, to show up in Bad Batch, you know, for a couple reasons. The I was always excited about seeing Boba Fett, as you as you know, because I feel like he has so many unfinished threads of story, and it was so amazing uh, from my Star Wars journey to see him go from the man of uh, unstoppable mystery and cool armor who just fired off your imagination uh, to the, and then the character evolved, and Lucas gave him this different uh, backstory. Where it, what's fascinating about him is that he's carrying all these different identities: the Mandalorian, clone, bounty hunter, uh, man of honor. Looks like maybe uh, either you know a, a part of a Tuscan Raider uh, group or stole their yeah. their clothes and equipment like a jerk. We don't know yet. But the point is, this him showing up here is an opportunity to really put under the microscope what it means for him mm. to be a clone. Uh, we got we saw in Mandalorian season two that he certainly didn't like being called kind of just the same as all those clones right. <laughs> that uh, led to a, a very fun barroom brawl. Mm-hmm. But I feel like his story from the Clone Wars is unresolved of how does he take that next step and put on the armor and become not a not a clone, not just a kid out for vengeance, you know, but a fully formed bounty hunter. So there's so many things on the table where an interaction with Omega can let us see how he feels a little bit about this, the clone part of the identity. Uh, I really think we're setting the table for Cad Bane getting a little creaky and this generational tale of, well, how does Boba Fett become uh, the legend of being the baddest because he took out the baddest. And for me, uh, I just so trust the way this show has been written that they could do all those things and still keep Omega centered and not just be like, Mm -hmm. Omega's not in this episode. It's now the Boba Fett show. I just don't think there's any evidence in the way the show has been written and Mm -hmm. directed so far that that 
would happen. So I feel like there's room to tell this little Boba Fett arc in a way that we're also really learning about Omega, her perspective, her feelings, her decisions. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent, and 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 yeah, so far so good, right? I just I, I trust what's been given to me so far, and and excited about what's what's to come. Yeah, absolutely, and I it, it was uh, delightful uh, when we finished recording last week to see that many people uh, were mm-hmm. on the <laughs> the team of uh, yeah, maybe let's see that uh, that standoff uh, from yeah. uh, those unfinished episodes, that unfinished Cad Bane Boba Fett arc, but yeah. I will throw that out there again, just for utter clarity. I'm really interested in all that stuff because I think they can tell the story without uh, making it all about Boba Fett, without decentering Omega. Right. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, let's move on to another Boba Fett question. <laughs> <laughs> Ironically. So uh, they make a thing of, obviously, uh, they need um, Omega because of her genetic material being the the more direct uh, sample left of Django. Do you think the Kaminoans are hunting for Boba Fett now too? That is a great question. Yeah, that makes some sense. I, I hadn't really stopped to think about that. If they're very aware, you know, um, now tech kind of gives, there's something when tech reads it, I didn't write it down. So there was a, what I kind of felt of like, they, they, they're aware Boba's kind of disappeared, you know, maybe feeling he could be dead, could be able, we can't find him. So yeah. If this, if people are aware that he's out there somewhere, that would that would be an interesting thing as well. Send Dengar to find. <laughs> Send Dengar, who uh, Crosshair is not Dengar, right? But there yeah. is a connection there visually. Yeah. So, uh, no, I wrote down. This is part of the reason I wanted to say it is because I feel like Peck uh, needs to dig deeper into his Wikipedia entry, right? Uh, yes. Because it seemed to be addressing this, like maybe in the moment. Why aren't they hunting Boba Fett right now? Uh, they, he says in his records that uh, Alpha mm-hmm. disappeared at the beginning of the Clone Wars. Yeah, and it's like okay, maybe from the perspective of the Kaminoans, you know, he he, he left Camino, uh, and we know some of the adventures that he had, including being arrested by the Republic for a long period of time. And I'm just like, yeah. Tech, yeah. <laughs> check the record, check the tabs. <laughs> uh, he's not he he hasn't been disappearing that well. He's been in a Republic prison. Uh, Tech, tech, make sure you're on the canon tab, not the legend tab. <laughs> exactly. So I'm really curious if that's going to sort of play play into it. Of uh, Bob, if they're like, well, we can find Omega or Boba Fett, or Bo- if Boba Fett mm-hmm. makes some noise, or if um, if the Bad Batch wants to make contact with his Alpha, you know, mm-hmm. to figure out his perspective, or you know, that kind of thing, it yeah. might be interesting. Yeah. No, it, it would it would work for me. Um, yeah, it's inter- and it's interesting to track, uh, you know, young Boba Fett where he is in life, and yeah, starting. To, did he he incorporate? He's got an LLC of Boba Fett Hunting Inc. and and he's hitting out, starting his career. Well, we know that the call is going out for bounty hunters aplenty, right? Because because yeah. uh, uh, they they want, uh, yeah, the Kimmy Owens want her back. Uh, so I doubt that they're putting it in their their wanted ad of like, you know, we need this uh, genetic material. But Boba Fett, but there might be rumors or Boba Fett being a young bounty hunter uh, who gets that call could put two and two together of like, oh, if the Kami no ones want her, they probably want me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You might have some uh, unresolved uh, issues with the, the folks on Camino too, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Uh, enough Boba Fett talk uh, for now. There'll yeah. be more Boba Fett talk 
down the road, I'm very sure. Uh, this was fun thing to look up, Ken. Uh, Cad Bane's ship, Justifier, mm-hmm. uh, which replaced his old ship, the Xanadu Blood. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this was designed for that Lost Clone Wars uh, Cad Bane Boba Fett arc. Uh, it was revealed in a celebration panel, but this was its actual appearance. So uh, right away, we have some stuff uh, being used from that arc. See, yeah. Mm, you know, this is uh, some Paul McCartney is dead uh, digging into backwards albums and everything. <laughs> that That's a great, a great little note. That's a great little note. I mean, I, 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 it's also just a fun little like, ah, we had that there and some early designs. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, maybe yeah. none of this will happen and that will be it for Boba Fett and yeah. this show. And uh, I would be fine with that too. Um, other, other canon stuff. Uh, how did you feel about the death and or the pronunciation of Ton Weiwei? Ton Weiwei. I, I, I wrote that down as Ton Wee, rest in peace. Like, and Rena Owen is credited as the voice, whether it was a new track or something pulled from uh, Attack the Clones era recordings, I don't know, but I, I, um, I, I'm not going to get all uh, Akbar deserved a uh, you know four star general funeral here, uh, four star admiral funeral. Uh, I, I was like, wow, oh god, that, you know, Tan Wee's a character that's been around for 20 years in our minds and is gone. I, I, had, I had some uh, you know little heartbreak over that. Didn't even see Tan Wee uh, fall, and uh, yes, and it, she is referred to as Tan Wei throughout this episode, right? Yes, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, in yeah. that, but I think we are uh, we're stuck on Tanwi. Yes, uh, from yeah. Dad, Tanwi's here, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So that that was one of those moments for me that was exactly like you're saying. Akbar, I think, was even more known and beloved. Yeah, but that like, what you just killed Tanwi, and then taking that big step back of like, you know, that's a, a minor character who <laughs> yeah. appears very. Very briefly, and not not technically super important to the narrative, like, but it's Tan Wei. It is, uh, yeah. It's just, it's just a great celebration of it only takes a character a little bit of screen time, particularly if we've had some years to live with them, yeah. for them to become important to us. Yeah, and I, I, I'd never want to wade back into the Akbar what he deserved uh, debates again. I learned my lesson years ago on that, but uh, so I, I always get it because I, I felt I felt that here. But uh, yeah, it was just you're so right, especially because it's Attack of the Clones, which in 2002, if you're like Ken, twenty years from now, you're gonna feel real sad when Tanway is uh, killed. And I'll be like, wait, what do you mean? What do you? First of all, what do you mean? There's more Star Wars too. How is that possible? Yeah, but here we are. Here we are, feeling bad for the death of Tan We or Tanway. Uh, I, was, I also just wanted to mention this was another moment of just great line by line scripting uh, when Omega says she needs help, and Cad Bane says none you can give. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that is some. Dark, great, specific scripting. Loved it. Yeah, Cad is good. Uh, I have a couple other things I wrote down here, but I wanted to bat it back to you too and see if there's any canon stuff that you wanted that you noted that you wanted to share. Yeah, other than little details, I, I wrote the idea of just um, my real only one was uh, Cad Bane had quote multiple run-ins with the Jedi. And I'm like, well, that's, uh, that's a nice way to say it. <laughs> he he often embarrassed them. He, he did get captured. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah that was great. Um, so watching on my computer, that uh, that first close up clone in the vat looked like Soliston to me. Did you did you yeah, pause yeah. and study that clone? Uh, I I did know. Yeah, yeah, it did. It had uh, whether it actually is or not. It it definitely gave me that vibe. What do you think that is? Like a nine seven nine thirteen? Oh, definitely, uh, definitely. At this point, people are about nine five. <laughs> nine, nine, five. <laughs> at this point in the canon, yeah, joking, joking. Um, yeah, I really appreciated that because when I watched it uh, at midnight uh, on my television, I couldn't quite make it out. 
And now I'm just on high vat alert, right? Of is there a snoke in there? Is there a proto snoke in there? Is there a the proto Palpatine in there? And 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 knowing that there's all this great clone storytelling that is making sense, and I feel like we're we're heading toward the Empire shutting Camino down and taking their technology, and that funneling into the story of the Mandalorian and the story of uh, of Palpatine's survival uh, on Exegol and. Yeah. I love it. That's all great. But there is also just this like vat alert, vat alert. Is that a Snoke in there? <laughs> yeah. Hey, look, it, it, which is always fun to think. But, you know, again, the, the reveal's got to be important to the character, but it could also layer in the, the bigger story. And yeah, you can't help. You can't help but look at a vat. High vat alert. There, that's a great, you coined a great phrase there. Hashtag yeah. high vat alert. And I was just happy to see like, oh, it's just, it's a, a species that we know in, in Star Wars, a Solistan, and then having an, another Cami uh, known is just like, we don't know how long. It's oh. been since they've used this facility. We don't know if this was facility was for doing more secretive stuff, mm-hmm. but I really just, it, just by showing those two different um, images, uh, neither of which were Snoke or Palpatine yeah, or Plagueis, um, that it really just said like, look, they do a lot of cloning. They've done a lot of cloning over the years. We don't know who these people are, or what they were trying to do. Yeah. It's fair. And again, again, uh, you know, uh, it was so effective for what it meant to, to Omega and that reflection shot is so beautiful, but just seeing this, the, the set is and not knowing, like you said, all those questions you just asked, Omega's probably like, is this, is this person even alive in here? Is this what, how, how long? And, and, and then uh, what happened to Fennec? It, it just uh, drove it all home in a, in a great way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, anything else for you? Uh, no, well, relatively, uh, I want to say canon light. There's some big canon stuff in this, but yeah, that was that, it for me. There, there were, yeah, fewer like, ooh, yeah, we know that from this. Um, Boravio, the planet, and the Lido system, uh, according to Wikipedia, are new. Um, I'm sure it gets said a lot, but uh, it just made me happy to hear uh, Bad Batch saying, uh, you know, we don't have enough information for a direct connection trace. Uh, having yep. had to memorize that a connection trace line from the Phantom Menace, uh, it was nice to hear. There you go. Um, it hit me when Cad Bane said unmarked credits, which was like, okay, well, that, yeah, that's, you know, makes perfect sense. But it, it did make me wonder, is that uh, a more difficult ask now as the Empire is like, hand in your Republic credits for uh, Imperial credits? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Good point. Uh, my last canon question for you, Ken, mm-hmm. is this episode kind of underlines a couple times that, like, well, Fennec Shand is, is not, her job is finished because... Uh, Nala Say feels like, well, if Omega's safe with the clones, then then that that's what I needed you to do is keep her safe, uh, and it's don't don't bring her home. Um, but it's underlined that more and more bounty hunters are going to come with that uh, conversation between Omega and Hunter at the end, and saying, you know, y- you can't stop them or fight them all. Uh, are you? How do you feel about that? Does that make you excited to be like, ooh, who are we going to see? Or are you feeling the I don't want the guest of the week? I- I don't need the guest of the week. I don't think I've ever needed, but it, when it's used effectively, I'm there for it. And so far, I, I don't think they've missed in this series. That's that's my view on it. Um, I, I I was really intrigued, but you know, again, now I said earlier the jury's out, and I'll say I think I think her heart is is pretty clear. The connection and care is pretty clear for Omega, and the, so there, you know, there was a little beat in me that's like she was either going to say yes, you know what, I do have another job, uh, you know, bring maybe bring me to her or make sure keep an eye on her, something like that. So I I I, I think. Fennec Shan's going to return, whether or not we see, you know, Ara Singh, Tobias Beckett, who knows? Who knows could mm. go up. Um, but as, I, I never want just a name. I do want it to have purpose. And, and uh, I, I, I think the chase will still be on. 
Yeah. And I would just be happy to see Embo because I love Embo and it would yeah. be great to see Embo in just this high, high level of animation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, would be awesome. So I wouldn't mind that. I wouldn't mind seeing uh, some new ones. Um, and, and I'm still on Hondo alert. Uh, not only that yeah. alert, Hondo. I think there's a possibility that uh, not that Hondo is like a, a, a bounty hunter, bounty hunter, but, you know, yeah. if he sees an opportunity to make some credits, he's not going to pass it up. You know, Hondo and Sid have had a drink and, and hung out. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Oh, they for sure know each other. Yeah. I think uh, I think uh, Sid in Maz Kanata text back and forth about Hondo. <laughs> <laughs> What's his tab like in your bar? <laughs> Not good. Not good. Those uh, quackian monkey lizards mess everything up at the bar. Yeah. Uh, was there anything in this episode then, Ken, that you disliked or questioned yourself? No, I think if if, if uh, you know if you're on on board with the idea of the Boba Fett connection, I think this episode probably uh, worked pretty well for you. If if you don't, well, you know, uh, good luck on your podcast and and your hot takes, and they're valid because <laughs> they're your experiences and, and points of view. Yep, absolutely. And I think uh, I, I really have a lot of hope and I'm very curious to see the way the rest of this uh, show plays out. And and I really hope that any revelation about Boba Fett is only going to be there to uh, shed light on the character of Omega. That is my hope. And we mm -hmm. will see uh, if I'm right to hang on to hope. Yeah. Um, I think for me, the only thing I, I didn't dislike, but I literally questioned and I might have missed something in the background, but uh, I just hope that Omega can be reunited with her crossbow. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I so liked that. Um, that was her bit of identity. And I like this, like, she's slowly being kitted out. She's got this calm that they gave her, which Cad Bane crushed, uh, which was crosshairs. Yeah. Uh, so now I need to get a new one. Um, so maybe that's the next episode of raising money for Omega's uh, <laughs> new comm. Yeah. Uh, but she had the comm, then she had the crossbow, and there's yeah. like, get her some armor, the that's entire internet is screaming. So, like, I don't want to step back on these little bits of building up her her identity with her kit. Yeah. No, I like it. No, I, I'm okay with the slow process, but, uh, yeah, you can at least, like, some knee pads, some shin guards, something. <laughs> yeah, come on. Get, yeah. you know, a Google Glass, something. <laughs> Just... <laughs> Uh, not that Google Glass is armor, but you know what I mean. Anyway, uh, do you have hopes for next episode besides getting Omega armor? Uh, yeah, I, I, this is, uh, you know, we're talking a lot about Omega as we should, because this is this was very much a, a, a Omega episode here. But I want the Bad Batch to me needs to make a decision of what they want to do, where they want to be. Certainly more will come. And I'm not just talking about eh, going to re with Rex and join the Rebellion. They've got a clear purpose with Omega. That's very clear. But, you, you know, are you, are you still working for Sid? Where are you hiding now? Where are you going back now? And, and who's coming after you? Uh, you know, you can't do the old uh, Mando going to go camp out and, uh, you know, clock out of, of my duty. You know your duty. You feel it. You know it's about Omega. You know that's kind of your main purpose as a team. But you now I really want them to start making solid decisions about who they are. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like this episode ended with that great moment of promising uh, to to be with Omega, right? Mm -hmm. To because uh, he doesn't take it as far as you know saying I will always keep you safe. You know, he, he Omega seems to have that fear of like, well, you're vulnerable too. You know, you got shot. You're talking to me with a big bandage on, Hunter. Yeah. Uh, but he does make that promise of like, you know, we are in this together. You have us. You don't need to worry, and you will never have to go back to Camino. 
And it really feels like, okay, Hunter, how are you going to fulfill those promises? And it really does feel like this sort of like, should we just work for Sid or not? Tension has got to give, right? And you know, what options are they, uh, are there, you know, could they seek out the rebels, not because they believe in fighting the empire, but because they want help hiding, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. could they seek out this alpha uh, to see if he has more knowledge about his past or her past, you know, to give her a, a sense of, of where to go next. Um, but I, I'm, I am right there with you. I kind of want the next episode to be at some point, a little bit more of a definitive decision from, hunter slash the rest of the squad of if our mission is to keep this kid safe and let her become the person she wants to be how are we going to do that yeah it's not that hunter's got a bunch of blank stares going you know he's got a clear idea but you know sometimes you get that feeling where he's just kind of still going hmm what should we do now? And I'm just like, do it, Hunter, go forward, make a decision. I think you, now you have, you lost Omega. You got her back, thankfully, and, and, and a lot to do with her. So, you know, if you made that promise to her, how are you going to keep it? Yeah, exactly. How are you going to keep, uh, hopefully the next episode will be called Hunter's Promise. Uh, I do know I, somebody did tweet us that the uh, episode names were put out somewhere yeah. uh, on a Disney release. Um, I personally am not going to look at them because same. I feel like they can be quite uh, revealing and I'm enjoying the mystery for myself. Yeah, same, same with that on that. On that yeah, thing. so if next episode is is called uh, Hunter's Decision, that will be a surprise to us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is there anything that we have not talked about that you wanted to touch on, Ken? No, sir. Big, uh, big, wonderful emotional episode and haunting in it. Uh, it was really effective. Haunting, yes. The only thing I wrote down is fog is the MVP of this episode. <laughs> it truly is. <laughs> All right. We always wrap up with a fun question. Ken, if you could have an action figure or any other toy inspired by this episode, what do you want? Uh, I, I I don't mean to step on your toes here, Joseph, but I'm going with two two-pack options. All right. Ooh, I, I love it. Yeah, I got the Cad Bane versus Fennec Shan punch him up two-pack or maybe headbutt it up two-pack. And then I do want, we don't see it in this episode, but I want, do want the Alpha and Omega family reunion two-pack. <laughs> that is great. I would buy both of those immediately. Yeah. Uh, I, I, this isn't necessarily a two-pack because I, I don't think, uh, I don't think Toto would get a uh, full billing there. Uh, but I would love a battle damage Cad Bane and Toto 360 where they're both yes. <laughs> beat up from the events of this episode. I love that big scratch on Toto's head from Fennec throwing crap at him absolutely uh, but uh, cad bane uh, with uh with painful back <laughs> yeah. yeah in total 360 with a pointing leg uh that's fallen off would be great uh then the other toy sometimes they make these ken of uh the the love affair that sometimes toy makers have with goo right yes uh i would love a little playset of clone vats that come with green goo and then they come with a couple, but you can buy more of uh, just naked Star Wars alien action figures. All kind of like rubbery and dangly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, Both you know, round. action figure doll tradition, you know, uh, nice and mysterious in different zones of the body. I don't want anything too articulated, yeah. you know, I don't want to get gross. Uh, I just want naked Star Wars action figures to put in goo- <laughs> green goo. Besides that, I don't want to get gross. Yeah, love that. Oh, that's great. Uh, so there you go. Some toys that are probably not going to be at a toy store near you soon 
at all. With that, Ken, do you want to let people know where they can find us? Oh, man, I'd love to, my friends. Thanks for listening to our Bad Batch Report. We know this uh, brings in uh, some uh, uh, ears that are either new to the show or don't listen regularly. We love having you on here. We are here uh, three to four times a week. You can find us on Twitter at Four Center Pod. Uh, we are on Instagram, YouTube as well. Facebook page is Four Center Podcast. You can get merch, including that Speculate Responsibly t-shirt at tpublic.com slash user slash Four Center. Want to listen to a Star Wars book? Get an audio book on us by going to audibletrial.com slash center. We're available in a lot of different spots, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all the normal spots, but don't forget to check out Spotify, Amazon Music as well. And then uh, you can support us directly at patreon.com slash center. I just reloaded. We got some new stock in. Uh, the top tier support, uh, you, 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 you support us there. You get exclusive Four Center trading cards. Me, Joseph, and Jennifer Landa. Great trading cards designed by the uh, wonderful Brian Ward. You can follow me at Cadnapsack. Go to my website, Cadnapsack.com. Follow us over at the GPA, the Good People Association, the GPA.fun. Joseph. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. Over on TikTok, I am sharing uh, some action figures that I refuse to open, but I absolutely love them, and I appreciate people who open their toys. I'm having a ton of fun uh, just spending quality time with my action figures and getting to share it with people on TikTok. If you're interested in any of my other comedy adventures, you can go to my website at josephscrimshaw.com. But for now, for myself, for Ken, for Fog itself... This has been the Bad Batch Report. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.